Today, I want to I want to ask the question: What is your functional ID? What is your functional ID? Not the name that people call you. Not what you would tell people about yourself if you had to write out a bio. But what is your functional ID? How do you actually live from day to day? And what identity are you living with day by day? I know some people who have uh, dual citizenship. And I'm like, but which one are you really? (laughs) You know, it's cool you got two passports. But which one are you in your heart of hearts? What are the holidays you actually want to celebrate? And what's the one you wanted to go away from, but you didn't want to get rid of the passport? You with me? Which identity do you really live by if I, were to, if I were to cut you? Which one do you bleed? Right? Like, you're, you know, which, which college, which university are you? Are you blue and red, you know, blue and orange, whatever that is? Or are you, are you green and gold? You know, what are your colors? What do you bleed? What's in your heart? What's in your mind? What makes your heart speed up? What do you look for when you, when you log in? But what's your functional ID as you, as you go to work, when you wake up in the morning? What's your functional ID when you relate to your family? What's your functional ID with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or, or your other friendships? What's your functional ID? And it's an interesting thing that sometimes I, I found that there can be a separation between what I know my call is to be and how, what, I'm, what I'm living in. Because sometimes I'm more defined by what's already happened and what's already occurred and other things that have been said over me. I, that defines me more strongly sometimes than the things that are currently supposed to be defining me. This is one of the challenges of marriage is that when you get married, you still want to live a little bit single. But you're married now. So you can't live like you're single when you're married because you just joined your life that you made a covenant with this person. You made a, you, you made an agreement to love this person and two have become one in marriage. But you're still trying to live single. You're going to have some fights. You're going to have some disagreement. And so the question is, what is your functional ID? There are some places in scripture that I want to look at very briefly today to highlight uh, the calling of God and what it looks like for him to give us an ID and what it looks like for him to call us into our new ID. Acknowledge the struggle and we'll do this briefly, but I want to read together 1 Peter 2.9, which will be the passage that I uh, draw our main points from. So if you could stand with me and we'll read this together. Just one verse. It's well known. So this is how, the way I would read this today, and you can try it, is I would emphasize the word chosen, royal, and holy. Okay? So when you get to it, try and say, say it with more volume and emphasis. Okay. All right? You ready? But you are a chosen race. Royal priest. This is God's word to us. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this identity. We thank you that you have chosen us. You have called us. And I ask that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, there's this moment where God is talking to Abraham. He's actually talking to a man named Abram. And in this passage, 
we recount the time that Abram's name is changed to Abraham. God says in verse 4, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. This was spoken to a man who had no children. This was spoken to a man who didn't have. And he was being called the father of a multitude of nations. Who, me? The father of a multitude, maybe his heart stirred with anticipation. Maybe his heart just raised up with questions. How is this going to be possible? I've been trying this. I, I haven't had any I haven't had any kids yet. I'm not sure how how this is going how this is going to work. I, I I'm I'm confused by by you calling me this and, and promising this and um and, and I don't I don't understand why you would say this about about me. I'm sorry, he actually already had, he already had Ishmael. He had a son. And he's going to be the father of many nations. And it's like, how does this even work? Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. God comes to him and, and, and God sees him threshing wheat in the wine press. You ever been so confused you were using, you were so desperate you were using the wrong tool for the wrong job? Have you ever had anybody walk in on you using a butter knife for a screw? Right? And you're just so desperate you're trying to use, you know, you're trying to look for anything to wrap a present and you're like, maybe toilet paper. Maybe it would work. It'll look like, it'll look like the nice tissue paper if I do this well enough, but you're using the wrong thing for the wrong job because you're just desperate and you're in a tight spot and you're just trying to get it done and you just hope you don't get caught. Homeboy was threshing wheat in a wine press and an angel of the Lord came and sat down under a tree and was like, hey. <laughs> it's an interesting scene here, Gideon. And the angel wasn't there with his own message. The angel was there with a message that he was saying, hey, valiant warrior. I see you fearful. I see you hiding. I see you struggling. But what I see most of all is what God has made you to be and that's a valiant warrior. And he's like, you're not going to be this way much longer because I'm about to change things up. And you're going to be strong and mighty and you're going to fight. And so, of course, you know, thousands of men show up to this call to follow this valiant warrior. And God's like, actually, 300 in this case is going to be more than 3,000. So a whole bunch of you have got to go. Because God was going to show that it was his strength and his power, not Gideon's. It was God's strength and God's power, not that of the mass, not that of the, of the tools that they could build and the things that they could supply themselves. But God was going to do something extraordinary. King David in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel the prophet comes and he calls, uh, he's like, Hey, I'm here, I'm here basically to anoint the next king. Uh, Jesse, show me your boys. And so Jesse brings out his boys. He's so proud of them. They line up before him and, and the prophet looks at the boys and he's like, yeah, okay. 
Jesse, this feels a little weird. It's going to be a little awkward for us. Um, I feel like God sent me here to anoint the king. You told me these are your sons, but I don't see the, see the king. Could you, have, could you have another son? Could there be someone else? Could there be somebody that you're overlooking? Could there be a son that you've forgotten about? I, look, I, I get I get. Like I, I've called my kids by my dog's name. I, I get it. But if I had an audience with one of the most significant people in, in the United States and they said, bring me your children, I wouldn't somehow forget that I had four of them. And so this young man, this young man named David, whose name means beloved, is not so beloved. He's out in the field and he goes, well, there's one. But he's out in the field and you definitely don't want him. So he calls David in and so, you just don't want him for a lot of reasons. We know, him. look, you'll get it. You got a lot better chance with these guys. Samuel, when David comes in, he, he, well, Samuel's not kidding. He's like, Hey, I'm going to stand here. I'm not even going to sit. You better go get him. I'm not sitting down until we do this thing. So don't lag. Don't, don't, don't drag your feet in this. We're going to, we're going to take care of this. David walks in and he says, arise, anoint for this is he. This is the chosen. This is the chosen one. This is the one who God sent me to anoint to become the king. And so David has this remarkable ceremony where the oil is poured on his head by the prophet of God who's assigning him to be the next king. And then in, in all the movies that we watch and all of our expectations, we're like, oh, great. And then he went to the castle. And he started ruling. It's not how it goes. He went back out to the field. How chosen was he feeling that night? How chosen was he feeling? He's like, I'm, I'm the king. I'm watching sheep. You know, his brothers are like, hey, he's coming back out in the field. You know, and he's sitting here, they're like, we're going to go fight. And we're going to go war and we're going to go be strong and big and provide. David, you just go make sure we don't lose any sheep. And he's the king watching sheep. And then not only is the king watching sheep, his, another job he was going to take on was going to be to play, to play music for King Saul, who was tormented. And his music was going to soothe the king's soul. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody whose job I was supposed to have hated me and I had to soothe their soul by singing, I would choose a song that's maybe not so pleasing. <laughs> but David sang to him and it pleased him. I would have been like, I'm going to get you. Samuel poured it on my head. And that's as well as I sing. So, I mean, it would have been kind of a tormenting thing anyway, right? This is why I'm so grateful for the worship team. I just I make a holy noise. And, but they, but so, so he sang songs to soothe Saul's heart. And then, and then Saul's like throwing spears at him. Because Saul's realizing, oh, wait a second. This guy's got something on him. I don't like this. So he throws spears out. And then David had to hide in caves for years from Saul. As Saul and, and his army were trying to destroy David to take his life so that he couldn't become the next king. David had to hide in kings. How chosen does that feel? Jeremiah, God came to him and said, hey, you're going to be my mouthpiece. And, and Jeremiah's like, but I'm young. I don't even speak well. I'm just a youth. God, you must be mistaken. I, I don't know even how to speak well. And then we take Peter, Peter in Matthew 16, 8. 
Jesus is talking, he, this, the, this is this moment where Peter gets this revelation of who Jesus is, sees through the fog, sees, sees through the accusation, sees through everything, and he sees Jesus for who he really is. And he goes, you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Peter's like, and Jesus is like, bingo, you got it. Simon, and I tell you that now you're Peter, which means rock, and on this rock, I'll build my church, not on Peter, but on the revelation of who Jesus is. Now, this is Peter, who's a little bit like, I mean, he's, he's both represented well and misrepresented at the same time. We like to caricature him as kind of a, kind of a dopey guy who's just going along and speaks too fast and moves too quickly and, and just kind of shouts out. And so you do see these mistakes that he makes. He makes these mistakes and then he, and then, and then he gets this <laughs> revelation. And then, and then he, he hides from Jesus when Jesus is being crucified. And they're like, hey, you know him. And he's like, no, I don't know him. And then he stands up in Acts 2 and he preaches this sermon and 3,000 people are added to the church. Like Peter's kind of a confusing dude. He's kind of like me. It does really well. It's like you go for a run and you're like, all right, I'm healthy. Let's celebrate with nachos. <laughs> right? Like our spiritual walk can be very much that way. Look at me. I prayed for that person. Not let me hold on to unforgiveness. <laughs> right? It's just confusing. It's not completely settled in. But Peter, Peter was being, his name was being changed and he was being called into something new. I, hey, Peter, I know you were wishy-washy. I knew you were having a hard time. I knew you were presumptuous. I knew you, that you were excited, but I'm about to do something and you're going to be a changed man and I'm going to do it in you. But from the time that Peter was called, to, it called Peter to the time that he started acting like Peter, there would be some distance. As he learned how to walk in his new calling as being a rock. As he learned how to be stable, as he knew, as he walked, as he, as he became a disciple who knew the priorities and the lifestyle and the values of God. It would take him a minute. Now, I want to say, especially with the Old Testament people who I've highlighted, we need to be careful not to look and say, I, I, I am David and I am Joseph and I am Esther and I am this person and I am that person. Okay? Those were actual people who actually lived. And those are, those are events that actually occurred. So we need to be careful to say, oh, that's me! Because it's, it's, it's really, no, it's King David. It... <laughs> It's King David. I'm Joseph. No, that's, that's Joseph. Right? So we need to be careful about that. And then, and then, but, but even, um, we can take application, but I'll get there in just a second because I, I want to highlight that there's, a, there's an even better foreshadowing than, than us in, in these passages that, that we have and that you've, you've got Joseph and Daniel and, uh, Esther and all these, uh, Old Testament uh, men and women who, who stepped up and were God's man and God's woman at the right time. And, and we're like, that's me. I want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman at the right time. But more importantly, all of these foreshadowing Jesus. Because if it's foreshadowing you and me, then the Bible's about you and me. But it's not about us. It's foreshadowing Jesus. And so before we, before we take, you know, a life like Joseph and say the way that Joseph was, I am. We say the way that Joseph was, Jesus was more fully. And therefore I can be who God's called me to be. All right. So, so we don't want to just jump straight to the place where, where we insert ourselves there. I enjoy, and I do, I, I, I've written, there are verses in my Bible where I've crossed it out and I've written my name. <laughs> 
because, because I, because I need that reminder. I need to personalize it. And I need that reminder, but you can only do that when you already understand that it's, it's not all just about you. Does that make sense? So for this verse, for example, in in first Peter two, nine, I would write for you, David, you, David, David, right here. I scribe it in our chosen race. It's weird to be a full race in yourself. That's how we know it's not about you, (laughs) but I'm, I'm a part of one. Okay, so are you, are, you, are you ready for the application with that qualifier? There is application for us. And it's this. That when we are in Christ, that when we have surrendered our life to him, God calls us chosen, royal, and holy. My question is whether or not that's your functional ID. On Monday night, on Thursday night, on Friday morning, on Saturday afternoon, how much do we believe this about ourselves? What's cool is it's Peter who wrote it. Peter, whose name was changed. Peter, who who Jesus had to say, hey, look, I, I see who you are. I see how you are. And I'm making you into something completely new. The revelation of who I am is going to transform you, Peter. And you're not going to be the way that you were anymore. You're not going to be a product of your, of your upbringing. You're not going to be a product of your job. You're not going to be a product of your siblings. You're not going to be a product of your third grade English teacher anymore. Yeah. You're going to be a product of the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. You're going to, you belong to me now and I'm changing you. And so this man who was so strongly imprinted on and impacted by Jesus, by having his name changed is now turning to people. And he's saying, Hey, the same way that my name was changed, the same way that I was changed from kind of wishy-washy and insecure to a, to someone who's convinced and persuaded and steady and true. I'm going to change your name. Because I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, so I'll talk about me. Just to say that there are times that I felt overlooked. There are times where I, I feel like I, I've run too far from God to be loved by Him or cared for by Him or to be cherished by Him. I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I've uh, made myself unavailable to the things of God for, for at various times in various ways. But this says I'm chosen. So which one am I going to believe? That I'm strong enough to run away from God? Or that God's strong enough to choose me in spite of my effort to run? Which one do I want to believe? Royal. You might not be living like it. But this is what we're called in Jesus. You know, we, we have a name and you, you can actually, you can change your name legally. Anybody, anybody can do it. You do it around weddings and times that make more sense. But I, I could change my name tomorrow if I wanted to. But if I change my name to, to that of, of royalty, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily acting immediately like it. 
with me. I was trying to think uh, when I was when I settled for royalty. I'll tell you what was going on in my mind. I was trying to think of a character that I could change my name to that wouldn't offend half the room. I was like, oh nope, can't use that president. Can't use that president either. <laughs> Awkward. But God has called us to be a royal priesthood. He's called us to live with dignity. And to rise above the common things that would otherwise entangle us and snare us and drag us down. That's what he's invited us into. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel royal when you say no to the movie. Does it? It feels, it feels immature-ish. It feels like I'm a grown man. I should be able to watch that movie. <laughs> I'm grown. God, who are you talking to? I can't watch that movie. doesn't feel royal being royal. feels lonely. It feels like, it feels like less than royal. It feels like the, the thing got turned on its head and everybody else gets to go things and there are things that you don't get to do. But there are also privileges that you have as royalty that nobody else has. And that is a father who's the king of the universe. That is a father who, who cares for us and provides for us and protects us. That nobody else has access to. It is a father who can comfort us in our times of greatest pain. It's a father who can comfort us in our times of greatest grief. He's the father who knows who we are and can define us and describe us and bring us into the reality that he's created us for. And holy, set apart, set apart for God. You have been set apart for God. But do we believe it? It's so easy to give ourselves the common things. I want to invite you to live the set apart life for God. I want to invite you today to make 2018 a year where you live a set apart life for the kingdom of heaven, for his purposes. And that you would, you would allow that idea to integrate itself into every part of your life. That my money is set apart for the kingdom and the purposes of God. My time is set apart for the purposes of God. My life belongs to God. My, my relationships belong to God. My job belongs to God. My, my, my provision belongs to God. My children belong to God. My wife belongs to God. My husband belongs to God. My future spouse belongs to God. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, it belongs to God. That's the invitation that we have. That's the reminder that I think we need to hear and know freshly for 2018. That we have the opportunity in Christ to align with this calling. I don't, I don't know how you'll go about reminding yourself of this. If it's a post-it on the, on the mirror, I don't know if it's you're sticking something on your... On your, on your dashboard above the speedometer because it, it's just a suggestion anyway. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you're going to seek to remind yourself, but this is what I want to encourage you to do. I encourage you to faithfully give yourself to God in the quiet times. I want to encourage you to turn off Netflix and 
Google Plus and wherever else you watch, you, you, you binge watch. I'm not saying shut it all off, but live a little consecrated and see if God doesn't meet you and see if he doesn't change your taste and see if you don't just decide, you know what, I actually don't need that show. You know what, that thing that I used to look so forward to, I, I don't need anymore the way I used to need it. Devote yourself to the word. Devote yourself to worship. Devote yourself to God's people. Commit to showing up on Sunday morning. Now, you you are the frozen chosen. And I want to commend you for coming on a day when it's like it would have been much easier to not come than it was to come today. But as we were worshiping, I started crying because I started thinking about the stories that I heard over the summer about the persecuted church. I was like, I was like, man, we should bring hand warmers and hand out hand warmers to everybody. And I'm like, hand warmers, please. We get a sound system. We get to rent it and advertise on the street that we're here. To be a little bit chilly, I'll take it. And it's not about being here in the building. It's about being with you and unified in our worship and our love of God. So I would ask you to devote yourselves to, sun, to, to being together on Sunday morning. I would say devote yourself beyond Sunday morning. And that's what this class is about that's coming up at the end of January. Um, I want to say something, but uh, ushers, if you could go ahead and come forward. If you want to give cash for the, un- the offering we're about to receive for the webs, everything that comes in on this offering is going to them. And then they're going to have a table outside so that you can sponsor children as well. Um, so you can raise your hand or you can make check, checks payable to Grace Covenant Church or GCC. It'll, it'll go to the right place. You can also give online at gracecov.org or through the Push Pay Giving app and you just, just mark it if you do an electronic one. Jermaine, Jermaine mentioned this um, during the offering message and um, about being emotionally drained. When we... When you devote yourself to the church, you experience a lot of different highs and a lot of different lows. Somebody's going to offend you and, and you're going to have the opportunity to forgive them. <laughs> and you're going to forgive someone and you're going to have, have the opportunity to apologize, build a bridge and make things right. Yesterday, um, we celebrated um, two very uh, different kinds of events. Um, it was the wedding of a of a young woman who grew up in our church, Katie Montgomery, and uh, and Mario got married. They met they met on a ten days missions trip uh, to the DR. Did, uh, Mario's Dominican, and and she went for ten days. Um, I joke that. The motto is 10 days to change the world, 10 days to change your life. And Mario, it was 10 days to find a wife. <laughs> um, but they got married yesterday and, and that, that was awesome. It was just so sweet. And while we were there, we got a, we got a text from um, someone who just recently started coming to our congregation. If you don't know about it yet, you probably don't even know her. She's only been here for a few months. But her four-month-old
her son died. And in the same day, we had a wedding, and I'm watching the father-daughter dance, and I get a text that this woman's four-month-old baby stopped breathing. And he didn't make it. And um, so, as, so as we're worshiping today, we're rejoicing with those who rejoice and we're mourning with those who mourn. Then the webs stand up and they, they share with us the remarkable things that are happening through the havens and through their ministry there. I'm like, that's why it matters that we're together. Family, we're being invited into this remarkable life to celebrate and to mourn, to comfort, to laugh, to cry. And so I know, I know it's, it's so easy with all of the other things that call on us, but I want to ask, what is our functional identity? Is it an employee? Is it a government contractor? Is it, is it a graphic designer? Is it, is it just who you, who you call yourself? Or is it one who belongs to God? And one who belongs to God's people? And that is an extraordinary privilege and opportunity. And I just don't want us to miss it. Because everything else is going so fast. It would be the easiest thing on earth would to be to forget what the Bible tells us we are and to forget to live or, or to know it and forget to live it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would help us today. Help us this year to be the people you've created us and purposed us to be. That we would, we would respond to your choosing with faith and gratitude and, and zeal that we would walk as, as royalty, as sons and daughters of the Most High King and that we would be holy, set apart, consecrated to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name.